What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Next Level Freedom Church podcast. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church in Jackson, Missouri. If you're seeking a church family that can help you grow in your relationship with Christ, or maybe you just want to check us out online, be sure to check out our website, www.nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. I hope today's episode will inspire you and encourage you as you fulfill the destiny God has for your life and fulfill your divine purpose in God's master plan. Thanks for tuning and God bless. Good morning. Happy Resurrection Sunday for those of you out there tuning with us this morning, otherwise to the modern world known as Easter, but I like to call it Resurrection Sunday because at the end of the day it's not about rabbits, it's not about eggs, it's not about all that stuff. It's about the fact that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, after what we saw Friday night, through our video and what we know through the crucifixion, rose again on Sunday morning, conquering death to give the rest of us an opportunity at life. Those of you tuning online, which is everybody once again, my name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church here in Jackson, Missouri. Currently, when we're in session and not messing with the virus, we meet at the Jackson Civic Center. The address is 381 East Deerwood Drive, Jackson, Missouri. Once all of this blows over and passes, if you're tuning online, you're looking for a church home, or you've been seeking a new place to fellowship, we would like to give you a personal invitation to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., same time that we're airing these videos live, at the Jackson Civic Center. And we would love to meet you and your family, because God is doing something great here in Jackson, Missouri, and He's getting ready to do something even greater once we're able to start meeting again. So come join us and be a part of what God is doing right here in Jackson, Missouri. This morning, we're going to be continuing the series I began last week, which is The Difference. We're talking about The Difference. We're talking about the fact that Jesus did die, but then on the third day, He rose again, which makes all the difference. And as I've been praying about this series and what to do, I know I mentioned Friday night that it would at least be a couple of weeks past this Sunday that it's going to continue. But now that I've kind of got the whole series in wraps, it looks like this is going to be an eight-part series. And we're going to be continuing that series this morning because... When we're taking a look at the difference that the resurrection actually makes in our lives and in those that were here in the stories, the ones that were here when all of it took place, the difference it made in their lives and for the world, there is so much more to it than just Good Friday and Sunday morning or Resurrection Sunday or Easter Sunday. There's so much more to it than that. What happened with these people after the resurrection? So today, we're going to be talking about the topic, the empty tomb. And many of you out there, you know, we're expecting maybe a typical Easter message. We're going to talk about the empty tomb, but we're going to talk about the fact that they've just noticed. We're going to get to the point where they've noticed the tomb is empty. So we're not actually going to get to the point where they've seen Jesus just yet. Because there's so much to the story that the disciples are trying to tell us and the people are trying to tell us in this day, what they lived, what they saw. But today, we're going to be talking about the empty tomb. Let me go ahead and start by reading our key scripture for this entire series, which is John 16, 32-33, and this is coming out of the Passion Translation. 
It says, And the time has come when you will all be scattered. Each one of you will go your own way, leaving me alone. Then Jesus says, Yet I am never alone, for the Father is always with me. And everything I've taught you is so that the peace which is in me will be in you and will give you great confidence as you rest in me. For in this unbelieving world, you will experience trouble and sorrows. But you must be courageous, for I have conquered the world. And we've been talking about those passages and how they're key to the difference that we've been talking about as we've been taking a look at the life of the first week we took a life, or last Sunday we took a look at the uh, man with the demon-possessed son and how Jesus made a difference there. Friday night we had our Good Friday service. We talked about the crucifixion and hopefully I gave you a different perspective, a way to look at things there. This morning we're going to be talking about the empty tomb. But Jesus mentions at the beginning of this passage, and he was talking to his disciples when he said that you're going to be scattered, you're going to leave. Remember, when he was arrested that night, they were all scattered. They went different directions. Peter and John followed, the scriptures tell us. But Jesus says, even though you guys are leaving, I'm never alone, for the Father is always with me. And what that means for us, now that he's risen from the dead, is that Jesus is always with you, the Father is always with you, the Holy Spirit is always with you. That's three in one. We believe in the Trinity. But so you're never actually alone. When you're going through things, when you're going through this COVID experience that we're going through right now. God is still Yehovah Shammah, the God who is there. He is there in the midst of everything you're going through. He has never left you. So as I began to approach these passages today, we're going to actually take a look at every gospel. Because what I did was when I took a look and as I was preparing for this series and I was reading the different interpretations, I read them side by side, had a little help from a chronological Bible I own, I was taking a look at how the Gospels were interpreted, and what you find is that the stories are slightly different, yet they're talking about the same event. Because you've got to understand that man, each person that wrote one of those books, remembers it or hears it being taught to them a little bit differently. People are giving their perspective. So it's going to be just a little bit different in each portion, but the message is the same. They're telling us that Jesus had risen from the grave. So what I've elected to do as we continue through this series is we're going to be taking a look at all the Gospels as we go through this series. This morning is no different. This morning we're going to take a look at Matthew, Mark, we're going to take a look at Luke, we're going to take a look at John, we're going to take a look at each gospel. And what I've tried to do by taking a look at some of these chronological material I've been using is piece together, the best I know, a way that it can be interpreted so that we can understand it's the same story, but different people's perspective. And we're going to do that by beginning in Matthew chapter 27. We're going to be reading verses 62 to 66, and this takes place right after the crucifixion, the next day, basically. So it says, the next day, the day after preparation day for Passover, the chief priests and Pharisees went together to Pilate. They've got a concern. Here it comes. They said to him, our master, we remember that this imposter claimed that he would rise from the dead after three days. So please, order the tomb to be sealed until after the third day. 
Seal it so that his disciples can't come and steal the corpse and tell people he rose from the dead. Then the last deception would be worse than the first. I will send soldiers to guard the tomb, Pilate replied. Go with them and make the tomb as secure as possible. Verse 66 says, So they left and sealed the stone, and Pilate's soldiers secured the tomb. To the, my best knowledge, as studied through the years, the interpretation is that Pilate more than likely placed a seal on the tomb, or on the stone. And that seal, once it had been placed in place, could not be broken. If it was broken, that was punishable by... You can be punished for that, for disobeying the king. It's more like treason. So you can't break the seal once it's been placed in place. So this is the type of seal that seems to be indicated that they are trying to get at here. But point number one this morning, I kind of want to take you on this little bit of the Romans road this morning. So maybe you've seen that on our website, maybe not. But it may not necessarily be in a particular order, but I want to show you some scriptures and how the gospel message itself and how this Sunday morning can be interpreted to us as we relate. So point number one this morning is that there will always be those that try to seal your fate. Jesus had died. He died on Friday evening. And they put him in a tomb. They're now sealing the tomb so that no one can get in because they've heard him claim that three days later he's going to rise from the dead. And they figure that if his disciples were to steal the body, then people would think he'd risen and that's going to cause a greater deception than anything else because now people are going to be talking about this Savior that has been risen. So what they're doing is they're trying to come up with a plan and they're going through the governor of that day to seal off Jesus in the tomb. And in our lives, the way I was seeing this as I was studying this, in our lives there are always people that are trying to seal our fate. They're trying to tell you this is where you need to be. Let's seal you off over here. But God is calling you to something greater. And so therefore that seal that was been placed over you, that they think has been placed over you, will be broken if you will follow God's lead for your life. Because what people will do is they'll try to use the fact that you're not perfect, that you make mistakes, that you do these things, and they'll try to point out all of your wrongs. And actually Romans 3.10 tells us, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. So even these religious leaders that thought they were so holy were not righteous. They were not righteous. And none of us are either. So we're not perfect as humans. So there'll be people that try to use your mistakes against you as you try to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're going, oh, I remember you. I remember what you did when you were such and such age. There's always going to be those people in your life that are trying to seal your fate. Now we know from the story that the seal ends up being broken. But let's go ahead and read our story. And we're going to continue to talk about this more this morning. Now we're jumping over to the gospel of Mark. We're going to be in chapter 16, and we're going to read verses 1 to 3. Check it out, what happens. On the first day of the week, as the Sabbath was ending, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Jacob, and Salome made their way to the tomb. It was very early in the morning as the first streaks of light were beginning to be seen in the sky. They had purchased aromatic embalming spices so that they might anoint his body. Verse 3 says, And they had been asking one another, 
who can roll away the heavy stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? So these ladies have got these, they purchased these, these anoint, uh, spices to anoint his body because back then there was, that was the way they embalmed. They just spiced up the body so that the smell would stay down. So they're going to anoint his body on this particular day. And so on their way to the tomb, and this is Sunday morning, this is early. This is like, it says the first streaks of light. So the sun hasn't necessarily come up, but there's the light in the sky. You know how it is in the mornings when you walk outside and the sun's not necessarily up, but you can start to see the light of the sun coming up over the horizon so it lights up the sky. It's probably around that time of day. And these women are walking to the tomb with their spices, another way of worshiping the Savior. They're wanting to anoint his body when suddenly they realize all the way there they're talking how are we going to move this stone to do this anointing? So let me go ahead and say it this way, because this is kind of what came to me as, we, uh, as I began reading this. Point number two this morning, as it relates to us, is that sin can be an obstacle. What do you mean by that? How do you get that out of that? Well, Jesus had been sealed up in the tomb. They're coming to worship Jesus, but the stone has presented itself as an obstacle for them that at the moment in their minds, are, is keeping them from getting into the tomb. Now they're wondering, how are we going to get the stone out of the way so that we can do this? But they're on their way. So in our lives, sin can be that obstacle or that stone that's in our way of getting to the Savior where we're wanting to get so that we can give Him all our worship. We can anoint Him. So sin is there. And matter of fact, Romans 3.23 tells us that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of of God. So everybody, that's me, that's you out there, we are all sinners. We have all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glory. So not only are we not righteous, as we spoke of a minute ago, but we're all sinners. That's how it starts out. We look, we've got this obstacle in our way, and in our lives, that obstacle is sin. And it's keeping us from our Savior. Let's continue reading this morning. We're going to talk more about it as we go. Matthew 28, 2 through 4. So we're jumping back to Matthew in chapter 28. We're going to look at verses 2 to 4. Here's what it says. Suddenly, the earth shook violently beneath their feet as the angel of the Lord Jehovah descended from heaven. Lightning flashed around him and his robe was dazzling white. The guards were stunned and terrified, lying motionless like dead men. That Then the angel walked up to the tomb, rolled away the stone, and sat on top of it. Let me go ahead and say this. We've realized this morning in our first two points, we're not perfect. People are always going to try to remind us of that. We're all sinners, so sin becomes our obstacle of keeping us to getting to the Savior. But also, this passage brought to my mind that the true victory is in the resurrection. There's a great earthquake. Then this angel shows up. He moves the stone out of the way, and then he has a seat up on top of it, is what it said there in Matthew 28. And so as he's sitting there, there's a victory there because the resurrection is happening in the presence of the guards who have seen these things take place. Now they're fell out, they're like dead men, so in other words, they're, they're knocked out, they're passed out, whatever it is. There was something that happened that caused them to be motionless on the ground as dead men, is what the scripture there tells us. So, the true victory is in the resurrection. Here's what Romans 10, 9 tells us. If you declare with your mouth, 
Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So there is that victory that is in the resurrection right there. It's because he died, gave his life as the ultimate sacrifice for us on that Friday, the day we celebrated. More than likely it was a Wednesday or a Thursday, depending on how the days are gauged there, but we celebrated on Good Friday. So Friday night we talked about that death and the importance that that blood, he became the ultimate sacrifice for us so that we might live. Why? Because man, only a man can pay for man's sin. In other words, this is the reason that God had to come wrapped in human flesh Jesus comes to the earth, 100% God, 100% man, can't explain it to you, don't ask me how, but he comes, he's 100% of both because only God can live a perfect life and only man can pay for man's sin. So Jesus enters into the world to give his life, to give us the true victory. And now the Bible tells us in Romans 10, what we just read, that if we believe in our heart, that God raised him from the dead. We believe he is Lord. We shall be saved. So what do we got? What do we got so far? We've got the fact that we know we're not righteous. We're not perfect. We're all sinners. Sin has become that obstacle that's between us and our Savior. Now all of a sudden, there's a resurrection which moves the boulder out of the way. We're going to talk more about that here in just a minute. Now, if we will just believe... We will be saved. What are we being saved from? Well, we're being saved from that sin that we talked about just a few minutes ago. Let's go ahead and read on. We're going to come back. We're going to be talking about this as we go throughout this morning's message. Luke 24. So now we're jumping to the Gospel of Luke. Chapter 24. We're going to take a look at verses 1 to 3. So here's what it says. Very early that Sunday morning, the women made their way to the tomb, carrying the spices they had prepared. Arriving at the tomb, they discovered that the huge stone covering the entrance had been rolled aside, so they went in to look, but the tomb was empty. The body of Jesus was gone. Now that's the point where all of us good old-fashioned religious people or good old-fashioned believers should be saying amen right there, because Jesus is gone. He's been removed. So check out point number four this morning as we continue through this is that we know we're sinners. We've got an obstacle. It is the sin. The resurrection gives us the ability to move that obstacle and reach our Savior. But point number four is that Jesus removes the obstacle of sin. It's nothing we can do ourselves. We're accepting his sacrifice. That is what gives us the opportunity at eternal life. Romans 6.23 tells us this, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Say what? So what you're telling me this morning, Pastor, is the fact that I'm a sinner. First of all, I don't have it perfect. But just because I'm not perfect doesn't mean there's not hope for me. That's exactly what I'm telling you. What the Bible says is the wages of your sin and what you've done wrong is death. There's no way to escape that except through the Savior, which is what the second part of Romans 6.23 was telling us. The gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ 
our Lord. We talked a little bit Friday night. We read the passage, John 3, 16. We read it out of the Passion Translation. You guys remember that. It's one of those they had you memorize when you were in grade school. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not or whoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So because of what God has done, John 3.16 pretty much sums up the whole Bible. That was God's redemption plan from the beginning. He was going to send his son to die so that we could have life. That's the gift it's talking about there. Moving on over to John, we're going to the different gospel now. We're jumping to John chapter 20. Check out what happens here. Verses 1 to 3. It says, Very early, Sunday morning, before sunrise, Mary Magdalene made her way to the tomb. When she arrived, she discovered that the stone that sealed the entrance to the tomb was moved away. So she went running as fast as she could to go tell Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved. And we believe that's always John referring to himself there. So Peter and John, she goes to tell them. She told them they've taken the Lord's body from the tomb and we don't know where he is. Verse 3 says, Then Peter and the other disciple jumped up and ran to the tomb to go see for themselves. What is going on here? Suddenly, we, they saw this man die. They saw him die on Friday night, Thursday night, whatever night. They saw him die on a cross. They saw him be placed in the tomb. They probably saw the tomb being sealed up so that no one could enter that tomb. And now Mary's come along. All she knows is that the body's gone. So she's assuming somebody has taken the body in the night and they don't know where it's at. So what do these two disciples do? They jump up and decide, we got to go see for ourselves. Point number five this morning is that we are helpless alone. Mary was more than likely was among those women, as the scriptures tells us, she was among those women that went to anoint the body that morning. Her first response, though, it seems, is that he's not there. Somebody's taken him. In the night, they've stolen his body, and now, where's the hope for the rest of us? We came to worship our Savior, we came to anoint our Savior, and we came to worship him in that way, but now that I show up, he's not there, what is going on? So they feel kind of helpless at this point. Where's the body? What's happening? Where did he go? Romans 8, 38-39 tells us this, though. Even though in the midst of our helplessness, we're helpless and alone. But check out what Romans 8, 38-39 says. Here's what it says. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What's scripture telling us there? When you feel helpless, kind of like what I bet they were feeling at this moment as they noticed the body's gone and they don't know where it's at, God's still there. And what the Bible just told us there in Romans is that nothing can separate us, no matter what it is. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So even though at this point, some of you are sitting out there looking at me right now. You've been cooped up in your house all this time. 
and you're wondering when you're going to get a chance to get out. You know, maybe you've gone out and taken a few walks, but you can't really go do anything because pretty much everything's closed and all this stuff's going on, you're afraid you might get ill, you're sitting there, you feel kind of helpless at the same time, I hope you're able to take moments with your family while you're there. But remember, doesn't matter if it's COVID, it doesn't matter what it is that comes your way. He said, he listed a whole bunch of stuff there, but basically Paul was saying, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So even when you feel like you're sitting there all by yourself, God's there. Even though we can't meet in fellowship as a group at the moment, God's there. He's waiting to fellowship with you. Are you willing to listen so he can fellowship with you? Moving on to Matthew 28, 11 to 15. There's something I want you to notice here. Because the women, are now they're freaking out. They're running off, right? So once they're gone, check out what happens. Matthew 28, 11 to 15. Here's what it says. After the women left the tomb, a few of the guards went into Jerusalem and told the chief priests everything they had seen and heard. And these are probably the guards that were laying, looking motionless on the ground. They knew what had happened. They saw it. But they were out for whatever reason. So they're going to tell these guys what they saw happen. Verse 12 says, So the chief priest called a meeting with all the religious leaders and came up with a plan. They bribed the guards with a large sum of money and told them, Tell everyone, while we were asleep, his disciples came at night and stole his body. If Pilate finds out about this, don't worry. We'll make sure you don't get blamed. So they took their money and did as they were told. That is why the story of the guards is still circulated among the Jews to this day. They paid them off. Guards knowing what they've seen. Tell them what they've seen. So what did the religious knuckleheads do in this case to try to cover up this whole thing that they made a mistake, probably? They, uh, there's got to be some of them in that group that are looking and say, oh man, we messed up. He's alive. They, uh, we messed up. We crucified the wrong man. Even though it was part of God's plan. They bribed the guards. They paid him a large sum of money and said, hey, tell everybody they stole it in the night. That's how they're going to cover up this sin that they've committed. Check it out, though. Point number six this morning is the enemy will try to bribe you. You're going along. You're trying to follow God's plans. Suddenly, something that's not necessarily a God comes along and it looks like, it, hey, it's either more money. Maybe it's something, oh, this looks like a little easier life. Maybe I could, you know, get a big start on this thing. Suddenly, the devil, even though you know where you're headed, God has told you your call. This is to those of you who have received your call. If you haven't, I hope that you're at least seeking. He's going to try to bribe you. Hey, no, come on over here. i got a better deal for you than that. That's going to take a while. Maybe he's caused you to do some sort of ministry. And it's something that's going to take years to develop. And the enemy offers you a quick way to receive some quick money so that you're good, right? But God wants you to do something else. So he's going to try to bribe you. Check out what Romans 8, 1 says. Check this out. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to to the spirit. Well, what's the flesh in the case we're trying to say here? These guys took the money and went and told what they were told to tell because this was a good sum of money, right? Oh, okay, I can lie on that. That's pretty good. I'll, I'll take it, right? 
So they go out and they tell everybody, oh, they stole it in the night. That's what happened. That's what happened. The disciples stole. We fell asleep and the disciples stole the body in the night all for a sum of money. That is living according to the flesh. The flesh will say to you, hey, there's this option and it looks a little bit better. It looks a little easier. So you say, hey, you know what? That's a little bit better. I think I'll take that route. But it's not necessarily God's plan. Especially if God's directly told you to do something and you take it. Then you're no better than these guards. You were bribed into walking away from the calling God had for your life. But there's no condemnation, Romans told us just a minute ago, for those who are in Christ that walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. In other words, it may be a rough road. And Jesus promises us in the Scripture, there you will face tribulation. He faced tribulation. He was persecuted and killed for what he taught. What makes you think you're better than him? You will face persecution. At the end of the day, it's really, are you going to walk according to what the flesh looks good? Or are you going to do what God told you to do and follow the Spirit? The Bible says there's no condemnation for those that walk according to the Spirit. Not that you're not going to be tempted and mess up sometimes. But the goal is to walk according to the Spirit. Let's go ahead and get ready to wrap up today's message. we got to come to a close. It's getting about that time to quit. We're going to be in John 20 again, verses 4 through 10. Here's what it says. They started out together. Now it's referring back to Peter and John, because they remember they took off running because they wanted to see the tomb for himself. So this all happened while they were gone. Now here comes Peter and John. They come running to the tomb. Verse 5 says, or let me go ahead and start back at the beginning. They started out together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Verse 5 says, He didn't enter the tomb, but peeked in and saw only the linen cloths lying there. Then Peter came behind him and went right into the tomb. He too noticed the linen cloths lying there. But the burial cloth that had been on Jesus' head had been rolled up and placed separate from the other cloths. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first went in, and after he, one look, he believed. For until they... Until then, they hadn't understood the scriptures that prophesied that he was destined to rise from the dead. Verse 10 says, Puzzled, Peter and the other disciple left, then left and went back to their homes. So they haven't seen Jesus yet at this point. They've gone, they see the empty tomb. He's not there. They're puzzled. Then John tells us that he believed right away. He looked in, oh, I, I get it, right? Because the scripture said that the Messiah was destined to die, but he would rise again on the third day. Jesus had told them this over and over, and for some reason it's just clicked, at least in John's mind at this point, that he's risen. He's alive. Nobody's seen him just yet. Remember that, because that's where we're stopping today. Next week, we're going to talk about when he starts showing himself to people. But I think the series needs broken up so that we can catch everything as we go along. So point number seven, final point this morning, is that don't forget what he has spoken to you. At this point, the disciples get to the tomb. They look in the tomb. He's gone. At that point, it only says John, at this point, realizes, oh my gosh. This is what he meant all along. Peter, it doesn't really say if he got it at that point yet or not. But they've entered the tomb. Now they're looking. So don't forget what he's spoken to you because he had told them on many occasions, I'm going to die, 
but I'll be back the third day. Now it's starting to click. So even in the midst of whatever you're going through right now, wherever you're at, remember, God is still there with you. He knows what you're going through. Whatever it is, I don't know what he's called you to do. All I can speak for is myself. What God has called me to do, you have to decipher that. But here's what I want to encourage you with this morning. Don't forget what he told you because he has spoke that to you for a reason because you are a unique person that God wants to accomplish a certain task while you're here on this planet. Romans 5.1, here's what it tells us. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, believing what he's telling us, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I can't explain to you the joy God gives me in times of trial. Neither can your friends who you see are looking around, if, especially if you're an unbeliever. We can't explain that to you. It's something you just have to experience. But don't forget what he's spoken to you. Romans 5, 1 tells us we're justified through our faith. We believe when he speaks something to us, we believe Jesus has risen from the dead in this case, what the disciples is talking about here. You've got to believe because Jesus has told you he was going to come back. Now all you see is an empty tomb, but remember what he's spoken to you because you're justified through your faith. You have peace with God through your Lord Jesus Christ. John at this point, it seems, knows he's figured it out. Something's, he must be alive, right? Peter is ran out. We don't know. They walk back to their houses, it all it tells us. Next week, we're going to pick up after that, and we're going to go once again, go through all the Gospels and take a look at what happens next, because I believe there is an importance that we miss when we just read the Easter story or whatever you want, the resurrection story on Easter Sunday. A lot of times we miss, what were these people going through? At this point, all they know is there's an empty tomb. Mary has already showed us that she thinks somebody has stolen the body. She's there. It's like they forgot. Jesus said, I'm going to be back. John remembers. Hmm, this is what he was telling us about. I get it. Peter, we really don't know just yet. That's where I want to stop this morning. I know it's time to close. So if you're tuning online right now, a lot of the verses I used today that came out of Romans, we were in Romans for every extra verse today, are in the Romans road. What's the Romans road? Well, it's a road to salvation. If you want more verses that are in the Romans road, you need to go to our website, nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. Go all the way to the upper left corner, click on the menu button. Go all the way to the right side, click on the road to new life. Follow those pages in order, and on one of those pages, those scriptures, a lot of the ones you saw today are there. They walk you through the road to salvation. Now, before we continue talking about that, I want to give you an opportunity. You're tuning out there, you're looking at me and saying, you know what? never heard it taught like this, or, or maybe I've never received Christ as my Lord and Savior. I've never accepted the promise. There was too many other things clouding my judgment and letting, keeping me from the truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. I am the way. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If that's you this morning, you're ready to receive a relationship with God. You simply ask. You say, Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for me rose on the third day, becoming victorious over death, that I might live. I ask you to come into my heart, be Lord of my life. Forgive me of all my sins, for 
from here on out, I want to live my life for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. In your name I pray. Amen. Now, if you said that and you believed it from the bottom of your heart this morning, I want to say welcome to the family of God. Once you get to the bottom of that pages that you've clicked on we just talked about, there's a contact form. That comes directly to my email, trentonfruits at yahoo.com. Go ahead and send me a contact form. Let me know that you received Christ this morning. I want to celebrate with you. The next step for you is you need a church home. You need a place where you can fellowship with other believers. If you would like to make us your church home, well, we'll be back at the Civic Center as soon as all this passes. We would love to meet you and your family. And then you need to be baptized. You need to follow in Jesus' footsteps and be baptized. Because that is what the Bible tells us happens once we receive Christ. So congratulations this morning if you've received Christ. We're going to continue this series next week and we're going to get to the fact that He is risen. He starts showing Himself to those who saw Him die, to those that have seen the empty tomb, and even those that haven't seen the empty tomb but have only heard about it. You're going to find they're there. Next week we're going to talk a little bit about that, the fact that He is risen. I hope you will join us next week. Can't wait to see you and fellowship with you then. Until then, this is Trenton Crew saying God.